to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Dice and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, just met Weber on the board. SP Futures down 675, NASDAQ Futures down 34, Dow Futures down 48, which is a hell of a lot different than it was last night when they were up 32 points when I went to bed. So looks like the market might be still having trouble getting out of its own way here. Uh, we, could, we could use an update, just about anybody, including us. So uh, it doesn't look like it might, not, might be today, but who knows? We could turn this bus around. we got a Fed meeting this week. we got all kinds of stuff. We have... Uh, See how that goes out, and I, uh, I don't know, maybe we continue to talk about the Fed being, uh, what's what's the word? How can you say this correctly? Having a credibility gap? Is that the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I like as, that. Is that the same thing as lying out of their, out of their face, or what? Or at least sort having of, a history of lying. Yeah. I, uh, the Fed balance sheet numbers, now anybody who thinks the, uh, you know, the, the Fed has... Well, all we do is talk about inflation, right? It's all we talk about. And, uh, it appears that's all we talk about. Is it, many of your, your, well, you're not as young as you used to be, of course, nobody is. Um, do you seem to recall every single one of the last presidents that you, in your lifetime, have talked about prescription drug prices coming down? And yet, they, they come down ever once, any, any given day? Not to my knowledge, but yeah, it's certainly always been a topic. Uh, yeah, well. Um, I, I dug up, I don't have it up here right this second, but I'm going to say last week the federal balance sheet grew by $80 billion, a little over. Uh, that is absolutely. Now, if you, if you, for instance, were watering your lawn to get to the point where it was flooding into your basement, do you think you'd have a meeting to say, you'd come out and say you were thinking about having a meeting in March to maybe turn the water off? <laughs> or would you turn the water off? I would turn the water off personally, but they are talking about maybe a meeting in March where uh, they're going to they're going to change all this. But yet the eighty billion dollars this week. What number are they? What number are they planning on achieving before they actually turn it off? I mean, I mean, what's the goal? <laughs> I mean, I can't even. I mean, it's it's so unconscionable to me. I can't even. I can't even go there. I just. But so tell us about the the football. And tell us about your uh, your bosom buddy uh, Grace Nellen. Well, uh, it was a great day. It was a great weekend in football. I mean, uh, you couldn't ask for four better games when all four of them came down to literally the last seconds. Um, the first three were walk off field goals to win it, and then the last one was a walk off touchdown in overtime to win it. Um, so every game was close. Every game was competitive. Every game could have gone either way. The underdogs won the first three games. I thought they were going to win all four. And it looked like they were going to win all four, uh, uh, especially when the Bills, you know, go up uh, a, t- uh, a point and then the two-point conversion, go up three with 13 seconds left, and that's still uh, too much time for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And he they go 44 yards in, in 12 seconds and kick a 40-some-yard field goal. 
to tie that one, then you knew, or at least I felt, whoever won the coin toss was going to win that game. Because at that point, the last five, ten minutes of the fourth quarter, uh, the defenses were just figured out. Either they were, they were gassed or they, they, their scheme stopped working or whatever. But, um, you had two hot quarterbacks and two hot offenses out there. And, and sure enough, the Chiefs win the coin toss. Even though, you know, Buffalo got to call it. They called tails. It's, it's heads. Chiefs get the ball. They go right down the field like a hot knife through butter. I mean, it, it was zero resistance and they score a touchdown and the game's over in a couple minutes. Well, you go back to the uh, the Ram game because it, it, it sort of become a blur for me because it, it, as you remind me, I, rem- I remember all four, but 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 it's just kind of a it's sort of a blur of four when you think about it. How, how does I mean I, I you know not much? How do you not have if you're going to put it some kind of a what defenses were they playing? There was some half-assed combination of trying to put pressure and yet not really. I mean, why why do you if you're just going to do four guys and they're gassed? How, how does how does what's his name? Uh, who's, who's the, the guy who set all not the records this year, but he was the the guy in the Rams uh, catches everything. Cooper Cup. How, how does how does he get down the middle of the field? How does he get behind somebody? He's not that. Well, that was absurd. I mean, that was a scenario where you had uh, the the Rams, I believe, had forty four seconds in a tie game. All they needed to get was a field goal. Um, they get a, a you know a couple of uh, short yardage plays. And the clock's ticking, and then the the Buccaneers decide to blitz from the left side, and it leaves Cooper Cup one on one. And that guy's been, you know, arguably the best receiver in the game all season, and the, and he's torched you the entire afternoon. And to leave him one on one when all they needed was, you know, call it uh, twenty or thirty yards to get in the field goal range, and they had twenty some seconds to do it. And he just blows by the guy and just and just you know runs a go route essentially and and then now you have a, a chip shot extra point type field goal I mean that uh, that that type of call is, is just crazy to me and then on the other side the Bills in the in the late game they didn't blitz at all because they their their mindset was we're going to try to get pressure with three or four guys because we want as many guys out in coverage as possible so we can double Hill and we can double Kelsey because those are the only two guys. But they didn't really. Kelsey was uh, got off free every time. But they but Kelsey and Hill are still really good. And the problem was is that uh, they couldn't, in, when they played in the regular season, they were able to, to get to Mahomes with three or four guys. Last night, Mahomes was able to scramble and buy more time, and no one can cover Kelsey or Hill for, for more than a few seconds. So once once they scramble and then it, it, it goes into just a, a free mode where it's you know guys just making plays the route now is is out of the picture and it's just guys running around making plays those guys are so athletic and so good uh, they were getting open and it was Tyreek Hill you know f- basically coming back and and making huge plays in the fourth quarter and then it was Kelsey with the the late touchdown. Well, so it's, Kelsey, so it's, it's hard to cover him. Uh, in, in the down in the in the red zone. Yeah, there's only like three or four teams that can do this. By the way, I mean you have to have the quarterback to do it. And uh, Allen and Mahomes, they were playing the position as about as high of a level as you could, you've ever seen it uh, at the end of that game. I would last agree. Night. I mean, I, I, that, they were unstoppable. Running, passing. Yeah, Allen was boy. Some of those throws were uh, they're like putting them in a bread box from 50 yards. Yeah, I mean, deep balls, short passes, fourth down conversions, running, uh, breaking tackles, scrambling, keeping plays alive, and you know it was it was just incredible. And then in the Rams game, you know they don't the Rams obviously don't have that level of quarterback. Stafford's solid, but he's obviously nowhere near Allen and Mahomes. 
but they run such a good scheme, they were able to get a lead. Well, then, then you know, Tampa got it going and, and got some breaks, and, and, and Brady got hot, and, and they come all the way back and tie it, and then there's just a blown coverage. And really, the Rams, they're, they're touched on the head in the first half. Well, they gave them the ball in a one-yard line. I mean, the guy fumbled basically going to the end zone. Well, that was a break that the Buccaneers got, but yeah. the Rams also got a break where the Cooper Cup just got left wide open on a third and 20 in the, yeah. first, in the first half. The, the Buccaneers, I mean, Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator, and I'm, I don't blame it all on him. I mean, the players have to make plays too, but, you know, he's, he was a head coach for the Jets for a while, and, and no one's won with the Jets, so he, he lasted a few seasons, got fired. But he's always been considered a good defensive coordinator, and now he's in the running for a bunch of head coaching jobs. But that, that, the, their defensive breakdowns in the, in the biggest game of the year, I mean, there's no way in hell I'd be excited about hiring him. Not that, I, like I said, not that he deserves all the blame, but Jesus. Well, you see the, uh, you know, the, the, the huge difference. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I coached in a really good touch league, but that puts me on a, you know, basically the, uh, pimple on the ass of an elephant compared to an NFL coach. But the, the teams that have the ability to take the tight end and have him in the pattern every play are so light years ahead of the teams that have to keep him in to help block. It's not even close. I mean, if Kelsey was on the Bears, you'd have to block every play. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that. I mean, if you if you have an offensive line that can hold their own, and then even and then you know, in addition to that, you have a quarterback that can buy more time. It's such a huge advantage, and your 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 tight ends are allowed to go out there. The Bears were in a situation where their offensive line was horrible, and they weren't able to buy any extra time with the quarterback because it was either Dalton or Foles who can't move, or it was Fields who can move, but it was still really kind of learning, and and he would get himself into a lot of trouble. Allen and Mahomes, it's like it's like they're it's like they're covered in Vaseline or something. Guys yeah. just kind of slide off of them. And well, Allen's a big guy; he's not afraid to hit you. No, he's not. But then, but they also have they're this totally different type of runners. I mean, Mahomes avoids you; Allen doesn't. Yeah, but they both have this ability to uh, to find an extra gear and, and and be just fast enough to get around the corner, or just fast enough to sense a guy coming and, and make him miss. And then, you know, you're talking about the designed runs. Well, yeah, that's when Allen will run you over. But I'm talking about when they're trying to pass the ball and they got guys rushing from all over and they're able just to maneuver around the pocket and then scramble and then throw a dart on the run that's accurate. I mean, it's really something. Well, throwing on a run is really is that, that's special. That's what made uh, Joe Montana so, I mean, to this day, I mean, I don't think he's as good as either of these two guys, but to this day he had the – Probably more ability of anybody to run to his left and throw. A lot of guys, I mean, a lot of guys can throw, run to their right and throw, but he can run to his left and throw. So he was not near as big as these guys, or I don't think he's had near as strong as an arm, but that was, that was an uncanny ability that very few people have. And then the weird thing was the Saturday games were the, just the complete opposite, where they were both, both totals went way under. There was a ton of defense, a ton of sacks. Uh, the, the games were the actually. Black punt. Block punt, like special teams touchdown, a lot of field goals, and it was like old school uh, football. But the games were still close and, and entertaining, just entertaining in a completely different way. I mean, Burrow gets sacked eight times and still wins on the road. I mean, when, yeah. when, is, when have you ever seen that happen? Their offensive line was non-existent, and they're in the AFC title game. Um, and then the the Niners the Niners win without a single offensive touchdown, and they win on the road in, at Lambeau, and and completely shut down Rodgers after the opening drive. He he didn't do anything the rest of the game. I mean, is he missing two linemen or one? I I think everyone in this on this weekend was missing at least one lineman, if not two. Well, that's where the Rams were without their left tackle. The Buccaneers were without, were without their right tackle. Rodgers was missing a guy. 
And uh, Cincinnati, I don't know if they were missing anyone or not, but they couldn't block anybody. Uh, everyone was missing offensive linemen. You either had a quarterback that could still make plays or you didn't. Well, yeah. But I, uh, I you, you do, you really do have to wonder that when you can't, I mean, the, the way a tight end always used to play, I mean, I mean, this is somewhat old school, but if he was brought into black, that's why you needed guys like, uh, like Dave Casper and Mike Ditka. They were big, strong guys because they always lined up tight, blocked a lot, and when they didn't, they had a linebacker over him that slammed right into him to keep him on, from getting off the ball. And you had you had to be a horse just to get off the ball or get in the pattern. Now these guys split out; they're they're like a wide receiver. Nobody, nobody tries to keep them in, and they're not even intending to block anybody. Well, it's not that they can't. If there's a running play their side; they will throw a pretty decent block. They can do both, but they're clearly not in the blocking scheme right next to the tackle. And once you do that, boy, you got a big, huge guy. Now you've got, well, you got. Uh, one, two, three people, and if you run your extra back out there, what, what if you, you you could have five guys in the pattern in a second, right? Oh yeah, and uh, and the the Rams and the Chiefs and and so, uh, there's well, four the, guys in the pattern. There's a lot of teams that uh, that you can have five guys in the pattern. There's a lot of teams that you can't do it very often in the NFL, but uh, but occasionally, yeah, you can send five guys out. Well, the yeah, NFL, you do that too much, you'll get your quarterback killed. But um, but you can do it occasionally. College, they do it all the time. Well, if you have the right quarterback, uh, the more you blitz, the more you... I mean, that's what Tom Brady used to be. You couldn't blitz him because between his... Right, you can't blitz Mahomes either. And um, Burrow is still figuring that out. I think he's going to be a star, the the Bengals guy. But but they were able to, to really fluster him. And, you know, he still was able to make enough plays to get the win. Uh, but once he figures that out, like you said, like Brady was the best at that. Mahomes is the best at that now. Uh, where you can't blitz them at all. You're better off just rushing three guys or maybe four guys and just having as many guys out in the pattern <laughs> as possible and just hope that... Well, if you have your blitz, it has to be a a very... It's not going to come from your normal spot. It's going to yeah. come from all of a sudden if you have a linebacker who's good enough, you drop him into the pattern or even maybe a a, a really quick defensive end into the flat and you, and you come in with a safety. Some, Some somebody you'd never, blitz, expect, yeah. you'd never expect that guy to be coming in. Well, that's how when when Brady lost the two Super Bowls to the Giants, you know they had the the elite pass rushers, the Michael Strahan's and and uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and those type of guys, where they could get pressure on Brady without blitzing, and that was huge. And then last year in the Super Bowl, when you know the Chiefs looked unbeatable and were in the Super Bowl for the second straight year, the the Buccaneers were able to to pressure Mahomes without blitzing, and that's that's the key. And the, and the Bills knew that, and so they drafted. Their first two picks, first round pick and a second round pick, were were pass rushers because they were in the AFC title game last year and they couldn't get enough pressure on Mahomes and he picked them apart, and so they they invested their all their draft capital in pass rushers and they still couldn't get to him last night. Well, I think you're. I don't think they sacked him at all. No, I think your your uh, your best teams and the thing that uh, are your uh, your best players, as much as your edge pass rushers are the guys you have to have, and they get all the. All the hype. The people that you absolutely have to have, and your, your elite teams have them, is you have an, a guy who collapsed the pocket from the middle. And the Bears had Dan Hampton. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the Rams uh, have the best guy in football with that, the Aaron Donald. Well, that's what that's what Mean Joe Green did. Yep. That's what uh, Bob Lilly did going way back. That's what the, what's his name, Sue could do when he was younger. Right? Yeah. And actually, this guy in the Bears can do it. There's Akeem Hicks when he's there, when he plays. Yep. But he, that's why... You know, he when he's there, they're a different team. 
because if you, if you can push the center and guard back, especially if your quarterback's not six five, you can really mess with them. Because then they can't they can't step up in the pocket right. to avoid the outside rush. Cause, that's exactly right, and that's a huge thing. Yeah, no doubt. Because if your outside guys, the further out they go, then it either leaves, leaves you that huge running lane if you want it. Those running guys, right? They're not because now right. they're, now they're not protecting the edge. That's how Mahomes once or twice a game, he just goes right inside that guy, and then your inside rushers are, are just playing, you know, playing patty cake with the center and the two guards, and he's got he's got two running lanes. Because those guys, the, the more they they go flying outside the tackle, the more they give you a place to run. I mean, right? You can't no matter what you do, it gives somebody something else. So what, what do you think about uh, if I was a commissioner? Can you can you find some? Can you suspend somebody for like two months for a smirk? Your buddy Aaron. Yeah, it was pretty aggravating for those that didn't see it. Uh, the Bulls played the very shorthanded Bulls played uh, at Milwaukee Friday night, and one of the guys they they did get back a couple games before that was Alex Caruso, who was one of their uh, three big free agent signings uh, in the off season, and uh, you know their best kind of on ball defender, and he does a lot of things for them that makes them better. Well, he's huge hustle. And he's a yeah he's a he's a energy guy and a real just a really good kind of sixth man off the bench and and he started a lot too but uh, anyway he um, has uh, what looked like to be kind of a, a breakaway layup opportunity and uh, Grayson Allen the uh, the Duke product that was a dirty player at Duke and now he's a role player for Milwaukee jumps up meets him at the at the high point in the air fouls him hard going for the ball and then takes a second arm and and just completely twists his he also sh- flips him upside down yeah just flips his shoulder while he's in the air and uh, completely spins him around while they're you know six feet off the ground when you lift his legs up and uh, and he crashes down on his shoulder and and arm and wrist and is on the ground for quite a while and uh and and the Officials are reviewing it, and Caruso's getting medical attention. And meanwhile, Brace, uh, Grayson Allen's on the bench. You know, the camera's on him, too, and he's smirking when they're showing the replays. I'll tell you what, if, if I'm, if I'm come, coming behind Caruso and I'm on the Bulls, I'm on that guy. And I'm, you know, I'm the most nonviolent man you ever saw. I could, I'd have that guy in a second row. I'm surprised. And I, that, you know, I'm, I'm a little su- like an old man, but. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that uh, right after it happened, like on the court, that uh, a couple guys didn't just completely slam, you know, Grayson Allen. Yeah, I mean, it was, that was it. Now, yeah. he got thrown out of the game, but there was a, you know, there's always that that initial opportunity to, now, I think they, someone will get back at him somehow down the line, but anyway, the worst part about it is, okay, yeah, Grayson Allen gets thrown out of the game, the, the Bulls get two shots in the ball, but the worst part about it is after the game, they realized that Caruso fractured his wrist, and now he's out six to eight weeks and has to have... Uh, surgery and with wrist surgery, you know, you never know what you're going to be like. So, um, just a brutal, you know, play for the Bulls. They end up losing uh, the game close at Milwaukee, but now they're even more shorthanded. For those that, uh, and Maddie obviously is probably a way better ball player than I ever was, but I used to play six nights a week sometimes. And there have been times where, of course, I didn't leave the ground that much, but, <laughs> but when you went up, if you go up to block somebody on a layup, there have been times where it's maybe his fault, your fault. You somehow meet at the wrong wrong spot, and you you'll get somebody in the elbow hard enough to where maybe they go down, and you and the first thing you do is reach down and help the guy up. Right? I've never once saw or in any games I ever played or even thought about doing it that while somebody is in the air and you hit him with the one arm inadvertently, 
you bring the other arm around and yank them in the air to make sure they they land on their head. I've, I've never seen that ever. I don't think I have either. I mean, it was clearly intentional. It was the officials looked at it for a minute and they clearly saw, you know, that it was a flagrant two, which is an automatic ejection and a fine. Um, and then he may be suspended too. Well, I I haven't uh, I haven't seen if they've, they've announced a suspension yet or not. We need to be suspended for the smirk. The smirk really is was in poor taste, and and you know it's it's while he's looking up at the video board, they're showing the replay, and then they announce that he's been ejected, and he's, he's kind of smirking the whole time. It's like, I mean, his teammates can't even like him. No, well, I don't see how he gets along with Canada because Canada's nothing like that. Yeah, but but, but I mean, Grayson Allen, for those that follow college basketball, are well aware of his antics at Duke. Where he, you know, was suspended multiple times for for cheap shots, uh, on, which you never on see in college usually, which you hardly ever see in any level of basketball. Yeah. I mean, and the guy's just a dirty player. And in every sport, you know, there's like uh, you talked about Sue earlier. I mean, he he's been kind of known as a dirty player for a long time. There's certain guys that, even though I don't think he's had an altercation in the last several years as he's gotten older and, and probably matured, but. Uh, he was just kind of a dirty, had a reputation for being a dirty player for a long time. Because it, it, when it, if if you do something once, you know, people can usually kind of give you the benefit of the doubt. But when you do, when you make dirty plays like that three or four times, especially ones that injure guys, uh, man, I mean, you I, people, I would think you, you can would, tell when you're playing, you can tell if it's inadvertent or not. You know, in a second whether somebody did it on purpose. You do, yeah, you do. Um, and I, I I would imagine he loses the respect of his teammates. Um. Yeah. Well, <laughs> someday, someday they're not going to be. They might be on the other side. And he didn't. And I don't think he cares whether he used to be a teammate or not. He's not I think you're right. I mean, he's already played on a, a couple of teams since he's been in the NBA. So I mean, I'm sure he's got a lot of enemies. <laughs> well, hey, you know, just as we talked about, uh, um, you know, what the Fed's doing, what they're doing for prescription drugs. Um, our man uh, Joe Biden and, and, and Trump was kind of an anti. You know, he, he brought up antitrust a lot. Uh, Obama, never heard really much of from him. He realized Amazon, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet set more deals in 2021 than the last 10 years combined. Nice. Um, so, would you, would you think these words, when people say they don't believe in these people, you're, plus your, your buddy, uh, Stockton is banned from Gonzaga now, right? Because he didn't wear a mask. He's really, uh, I mean, what he what he say yesterday in an interview that uh, there's been hundreds of professional athletes that have dropped dead on the court and on the floor and on the field uh, because of their vaccination shot, and everyone's like, "Where'd that come from? What? Where are you getting this this data?" He's like, "The, the data's out there. You just gotta you gotta find it." It's like, I man, that guy's got like a screw loose. <laughs> like, Jesus. Well, you know, the but the. Uh, We'll talk maybe a little more about with Jam, but the attitude um, in the last month or so, virtually, it, well, I won't say everybody, but a real lot of people I know have had the Omicron, and and everybody, you know, got through it, thank God, and most of them, uh, you know, not, without much trouble, uh, and now their attitude is, I had it, it wasn't that big of a deal, maybe I'll get it again, I don't, I don't think I will. Leave me alone. Don't be IDing me. Don't be telling me to wear a mask. It's it's over for me. Don't don't be bugging me. What what are you doing? And that that seems to be the attitude. Because in the last month or two, Maddie, virtually everybody knows they had it that didn't have it before. I mean, anyway, 
Just saying. SP Futures down 14, NASDAQ Futures down 80. Again, doesn't seem like much, but we were up 32 last night in these spoos, so it's a huge, a 45-point move. Yet another 45-point move, which is 1%, uh, which we didn't go over to 18 months. Many were doing the show, and then have a 1% move in a day. Now we get them by the minute. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie's Mr. Brent Weber of the board. SP Futures now down 21. NASDAQ Futures down 105. So we're down 52 points from 1030 last night. Ouch on that one. Uh, Dow Futures down 121. We just cannot get, uh, get out of our own way here in the market. And it's getting uglier by the, by, really by the day. Uh, DAX down 290. It's 1.8%. Pussy down 90. 1.2%. Kick around on 138. That's a full 2%. Uh, we have we got the Fed meeting this week. We got uh, how many? One hundred thousand uh, Russian troops in the Ukraine. Kind of doesn't get much worse than this. Kind of uh, uh, Nikkei where it was up sixty six. Of course, they were down Friday. It's point two percent. Shanghai up one. Call that flat. Again, Hang Seng down three oh nine. One point two percent. So uh, I don't know it's they were up last week when the other guys were down. When other heading south again. Just a way of review. Friday Dow was down four fifty. Yeah, four fifty. S&P Futures down 85, NASDAQ down, or S&P's down 85, NASDAQ down 385, that's almost 3%, so it's getting really kind of ugly, ugly virtually every day, I know I've said that a few times. Uh, U.S. 10-year, 1.73, so down from the 1.8 that it was last week early. 
The blend down is minus point zero nine after being positive for a nanosecond last week. Uh, Japan positive point one three unchanged. Uh, price of oil oil down four cents at eighty five ten. Brent up a dime eighty seven ninety nine. Natural gas down three cents three ninety six. Arbob unchanged at two forty four. Red gold up seven bucks to eighteen thirty nine. Is it's nearing a two-month high? Okay, and silver down 19 cents. However, 24.13. Not sure why there's a split there. Copper down seven cents, 4.44, and we've got Bitcoin down another 1,700 at 33,496. Uh, 130 billion dollars wiped off crypto markets in 24 hours. As uh, Bitcoin Ether dropped to multi-month lows, and all I keep thinking about when I see this thing going down, Manny, is the the person I heard about it took the huge second mortgage on his house to buy the Bitcoin at 63000 And if he decides he wants out, he gets to take uh, $3,000 a year off his capital, off his Social Security, and the guy is 75. So how is that going to work for him, you think? Not so hot. Not so have, hot. What, you for but what about the guy that bought it at 1000 He did all right. Well, uh, there's always winners and losers. Well, except, you know... You know, when, when when we started talking about this, it was at sixty three. Now it's thirty three. We started talking about this when it was at ten. That's true, but uh, there's a lot of people that Actually, bought it probably before that. We we started talking about this probably when it was less than five. Um, did we, without making a whole lot of predictions, did we say the minute it became marginable, it had a problem, and it's been down since that? You day. did say that. Yeah, you did say that. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. It's a pretty treacherous morning on the area expressways and roadways in general, as you can imagine, with some uh, snow overnight and more this morning. Uh, right now we uh, have uh, some significant travel times for 6.35 in the morning here um, in Chicago. We had an earlier crash on the outbound Kennedy at Kendall or Kimball. That's... Uh, uh, all clear now, but some resulting congestion, uh, some stop-and-go traffic if you're heading on the outbound Kennedy toward O'Hare as they just got that accident cleared. There's also a crash uh, on the Tri-State northbound side at East St. Charles Road that's blocking the right lane out in the western suburbs. If you're coming in on I-55, there's a crash on the inbound side just before California, which is exit 289. The car is in the ditch with crews on the scene, but it's ex- it's causing major delays on inbound I-55. It says expect delays of up to 30 minutes um, as you approach California on I-55. Um, there's also an earlier crash on the outbound Stevenson just before uh, US-12. That crash just became clear, but uh, some congestion on both sides of I-55. No no accidents on the Ryan I-57 with the Bishop Ford, but slow travel times. And the other crash in the area is down on I-80 westbound just before 96th Avenue. Uh, which is exit 145. That crash is blocking the left lane with crews on the scene. So there'll be all kinds of spin-outs and issues, so give yourself plenty of time if you're heading out this morning or stay in. Weather today, uh, snowy. Uh, like I said, 1 to 3 inches of accumulation this morning, and then it should uh, taper off later on. We'll reach a high of 28. Right now it is snowing and 19 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, no snow down there. Sunshine with a high of 70. Right now it's clear and 46. In sports, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs did not disappoint this weekend as the uh, underdogs won the first three games, all three on last-second walk-off field goals. And then the headliner last night was won in overtime on a walk-off touchdown. It was the Chiefs over the Bills, 42-36, to as there was four lead changes in the last few minutes of that game. It was just spectacular. 25 points in two minutes? Yeah, but they won the coin toss. 
got the ball in overtime, and, and Josh Allen and the Bills never got a shot uh, to, to have the ball. So the Chiefs advance to the AFC Championship game, winning 42-36 to in overtime. They'll host the Cincinnati Bengals, who upset the one-seeded Titans on Saturday. The early game yesterday was the Rams. They jumped out to a 27-3 to lead. Looked like they were going to blow out the uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa. Uh, but the Buccaneers stormed back with 24 unanswered points. Tie the game at 27-27 with 44 seconds left. But again, too much time left on the clock. Matthew Stafford and the Rams uh, drive down the field on a big pass to Cooper Cup. And then they kick a chip shot field goal to win it in regulation 30-27. to They will host the 49ers in the NFC Championship game uh, this coming Sunday in L.A., which is also the site uh, for hosting the Super Bowl. So the Rams could get a couple of uh, straight home games to win it all. Uh, but the uh, 49ers swept the Rams in the regular season. Uh, so this will be the third time these NFC West teams face off. NBA basketball, the shorthanded Bulls were blown out in Orlando last night, 114-95. The only good news is they play tonight against OKC, and apparently Zach Levine and Javante Green should be back. Uh, both have been out with injury, uh, so that will help. Where's this, is this guy Williams, is he at least shooting around, or what's he doing? My understanding is, yeah, he's starting to, to do some stuff in practice, and they think they, they have a shot to get him back uh, before the regular season's over, so we'll, we'll monitor that. College Hoops, Northwestern was blown out at number four Purdue, 80 to 60, and it was number three Arizona blowing out Cal, 96 to 71. What do you think about the Irish spanking Louisville on the road? Um, I watched a little bit of that game. I didn't see the end. When I was, I was watching, they were kind of down like three, down four, and it uh, looked like they were playing tough, but I didn't expect them to win. The fact that they, uh, came back and won. This is the best team I think they've had in the last handful Who's of years. This kid now they're talking about he's going to go NBA. They get the freshman. Where do they oh, get really? him? I don't know. You'd have to ask Kevin. Well, we will on Wednesday. Because I don't think Jan keeps up on this stuff. He's more nope, of a lawyer. No, so. the one, Tom. No, he's a, he has his, he has his talents, and this I is just my the other. One. <laughs> this is just not one of them. Uh, what, what can I tell you? Um, Never was. You know me. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, Jan, what do you think of a football game? What football game? <laughs> football team? What are you talking about? Yeah, well, football, what, do they, what do they do? <laughs> um, I heard something yesterday. I, uh, on Sunday, I head over to my brother's usually, and he has a kind of a family dinner, and we and I mess with the nephews. And uh, the little one, the little grandniece, was a little riot. Uh, so one of my nephews is married to this very likable lady and, uh, and, uh, nice mother. She's a teacher, math school teacher. Once in a while you hear something, just when you think you know, you think you know something, Maddie, something absolutely blows you off. You're gonna have to know this because you got a little one coming in what, a couple of weeks, right? And, uh, you know that if you don't, if you don't learn math now, like in, like by high school, that you can, you can take a test proving that you're a dummy and and then you are able to use a calculator when other people can't instead of learning it well in your wildest dreams progress right <laughs> in your wildest dreams Maddie, would you have any idea that you could do that no definitely not but you there wasn't like don't know okay you didn't learn it you're coming in on saturday you're staying after school or whatever we're gonna that there's uh the uh you yep. couldn't even just uh you know, sh- show your answer. Even if you got the answer right, you had to show your work, or, or it was incorrect. Right. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Like you could you could present the right answer, and that wasn't good enough. You had to show how you got the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, well, now it, you know, it, 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 it indicates to me that you know 
education seems to be moving in the direction of testing for disabilities rather than proficiencies. And, you know, then the game is up for a lot of stuff. I mean, she's telling me, I say, oh, you got to be kidding me. Plus, the other is if you, there, she's, I said, how far behind are you guys have been back to school? It's now, you know, in January. Uh, and last year there wasn't much of anything. And I said, is anybody catching up? She goes, nobody's going to catch up. She's not even the smart kids. Uh, nobody has any idea how to, how to, the idea of, uh, of having math class without like your, your, your cell phone in front of you to look up the answers online or, or to have a calculator. She said, nobody even knows what that, that world is. But so now you take a, if you're behind in one of the math things, you take a, a four day, uh, course. I don't know how you do that, but maybe it's every, but you take a four, or is it four hours or four days where you take it and that, that's, that's to catch up, even if you're not catch, caught up. I mean, what do we, we, we pay teachers more than we ever have, and, and yet they get to tell you, I mean, I, I, the idea of not knowing how to add and subtract in fifth grade and, and taking a test saying, well, that's okay, uh, this time guy, he, he just has to use a calculator the rest of his life. I, I mean, there's people that pick it up, you know, quicker than others, I get. But isn't that one you're supposed to stay after school and, and, and study harder? And, and after the while that you don't feel like staying after school anymore, you finally learn it? I mean, it's not like everybody has huge aptitude, but still, I mean, I, I think most people, i, I got to believe that most of the guys that are homeless running around can add and subtract, or am I wrong? Well, it used to be that if you didn't know how to do that, you couldn't get basic entry-level jobs, even ones that weren't particularly well-paying. But you know, you had to be able to make change. You had to be able to... Count. You had to be able to move numbers around. You had to know percentages, decimals. All of these things were presumed to, you you knew, and you knew well enough to perform and to get paid for your knowledge. So, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how not learning is either a, a you know a, an issue for drugs, Ritalin or something, or for giving you a calculator. I mean, isn't there? Why why are we dumbing down our population? What am I missing? It's really sad to me, Tom, that, you know, in the face of all the other distractions that kids have had for the last 20 or 30 years, you add to the, you know, the obstacles that they have to face, the fact that they're not in school, as you and I define that term, for going on 18 months now. Yeah. It's, what, what, what kind of toll does that take? Assuming, you know, you always have to push kids to get them to perform, but if you just decide we're not, we're not even going to make a pretense of pushing them, we're not even going to hold school in, in the sense that you actually have to show up and be somewhere and do something while you're there and not just, you know, fax it in or phone it in as we've been asking students and teachers to do. That takes a, a toll for the rest of your life. And, you know, the, the skill set you'll always be stuck with. Because you can't do that stuff at the age when you're, when you're, you know, conditioned to be learning it and expected to learn it and, and otherwise would be able to learn it. But if you're never pushed to learn it, you'll, you will never learn it, period. I don't tell you, I don't, I don't get the, but who, who, who's in charge? Who's making these decisions? I, it's the, the AFT, Tom, I hate to see him. And, you know, outfits like that that are really, in business nowadays, and I, I was a former AFT member, just full disclosure, I was a local president, I'm not, I'm not trying to fudge my past here, but but I just see that it's turned into an industry. You can't be a former one, you're like a, you're like a Marine, you can't, you never quit Well, <laughs> not in my book. <laughs> they wouldn't want me now, Tom. <laughs> but I, I don't, I mean, the, uh, in, in my lifetime, first of all, I've ever meet, meet anybody from the 
UK or ever you know meet anybody you know I mean I say even meet sometimes you know with the, in the business once in a while I hear from somebody you know who actually listens from over there from the show believe it or not uh, usually usually women which is kind of crazy they must like Maddie it can't be me uh, but they're they're they they never misspell a word I mean they're they're their grammar is perfect. And I, I don't know. I don't know if any of them are university educated. I mean, they might be. I don't ask them. I just get a letter from somebody. Um, the uh, but I mean, my my uncles. I don't think any of them made it past their 16th birthday in in high school. Right? I mean, they're older guys, and yet uh, every one of them was a voracious reader. They could all add subtract. They all worked for businesses. We had to not only read drawings. They constructed one guy constructed uh, uh, news press news presses. I mean, and if you talk to him, you would never guess that they that they left school as a junior, for God's sake, because because by the time you got out of grammar school, you knew you knew how to read, write, add, subtract, and the stuff you know. The, and uh, and this this lady tells me these kids can't write anything. They every, if they try and write something, it sounds like a tweet. You know, they they, they actually use the, the you know abbreviations when they're writing and stuff. I mean, who didn't they used to go to school to learn how to do the abbreviated writing? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a good thing. <laughs> but I, I remember my like an extension university. Yeah, my aunt used to have, like secretary school. You learned to write in shorthand. That was like a big oh, skill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now, now you're skill. saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Did you ever? Did you ever actually? Uh, I, I know that was a big skill that all the all the older secretaries at Pullman all had right when I was there, and uh, and I never ran, really ran across anybody that had that. And it's, it's also an art to be able to dictate a letter verbally. Uh, did you ever have to do that, Manny? It's really hard to do. What do you do. mean? I don't even know what that I is. Mean, where, in other words, you just you just dictate the letter. You don't have to write it. You just say what you want to say. Oh yeah. I've never. I, I you know I do, I've never done that. I mean, I, I I always thought at the pace at which I could write, and I was I was considered a pretty good writer. Uh, maybe still could. I don't know. But when I was at uh, the CBOE, uh, Judy Deal was the head of um, membership, and I was a membership committee chairman. And um, she says, I said, we need to send this person, you know, a formal letter. And evidently, Judy was terrific at shorthand, but she and she wasn't that old, so she must have picked, just went to a school where you, you did that. And she goes, okay, what do you want to say? She pulls out her pencil, and I go, well, I'll, I'll write something. No, just tell me what you want to say. I'll write it. <laughs> I'll just, she goes, I know shorthand. Just, I, I had real trouble. Dick, that, that's a loss. I mean, it was, I I mean, uh, guys like, like Ted Hesburgh used to dictate like what two hundred fifty letters a day, Jan? Or oh yeah, I mean, I mean I, it's I, a real art. You know, into a, a cassette, you know, like a mini cassette in various offices I worked at, and it's a totally different way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you, you have to insert, you know, new paragraph, you know, refer. You know, it, it was all, you know, whatever jargon was appropriate to your profession, but you had to really think in terms of somebody listening to this and following instructions. Totally different from drafting and creating, yeah. and there's a real art to it. And you know, you get good at it with practice, but it's it's hard to do. Well, writing is mostly practice. Man, everything's mostly practice. Come right down to it. Um, but no, I mean, Maddie, can you imagine? I mean, I, I don't know. You, maybe you think fast enough, but I'm like, but these guys would actually they dictate a paragraph, then they go, no, new paragraph. They actually have the thing visualized right in front of them, yeah, and just and just speak it like they speak in like leather. In letter terms, I mean, I, I I tried that like twice, and I go, Judy, how about if I just write you something? You type it. She goes, Okay. I, mean, I I was a total dumbo when it came to that. But I mean, when you when you look at the and part of this is becoming racial. Uh, it's what's well, considered to be racial, even though it shouldn't be. Um, 
well, maybe it's somewhat people's minds, I guess it is. I don't know. You shouldn't think that way. I don't. But I, you know, I look at numbers, which I obviously way too much. But I mean, you, if, if you're, how does this not sound racial? If you're the, because, uh, well, you know what? There's an awful lot of middle class and upper class black people, I think, that feel the same way. You sit there and you look at somebody pouring out of the Chicago Public School or whatever, or South Bend or who the hell, wherever you're at, and usually, uh, they're black, but that's, that doesn't, it's not always that way. I mean, it could be any of any, any color. And, uh, where somebody comes out and they're 18 years old and they start talking about their education or something, and you look at them and you go, the person can't even talk. They, they have no idea what the English language is about. And I just paid, I and, and people that are paying just paid 17 grand a year for 12 years and this is the product. And you sit there and you go, what the bleep? What, what, what am I paying for? So I, I don't really want to be paying 17 grand a year for somebody at age 12 to opt out of learning how to add. You know, I mean, I, Cause you'll, you'll I just be don't. A bigger price for the rest of your life. Huh? Well, I mean, everybody will. Yeah, but I mean, who knows how long that, but my point is, this is not the product other people think they're paying for. I'm not saying that everybody's got to be perfect. Everybody's a genius. Everybody goes to Harvard. It's not the point. But I mean, I, I think that, you know, just about anybody that comes out of any public school 50 years ago at least had the, the three R's, right? Uh, you know, uh, oh God! My, my mom had to drop out after two years of high school. She's in, in a you know business program, so it's business English, stenography, shorthand typing, because that's what she, she knew she, was, she could make some money at. Her father was dead; the family was in bad shape financially, so she never you know had any schooling after her sophomore year of high school. And when I was in, in the PhD program at Loyola, I was still giving my mom my papers to proofread, and this is after. You know, spell check and other things were, were, you know, perfectly available to me because uh, there were things she would catch that, you know, she didn't know maybe the topic I was writing about, but she knew this subject doesn't agree with that verb or what's this pronoun referring to. Stuff that I just, you know, glossed over and was, you know, admittedly very sloppy about it at different times in my life. And this was just like, and I wonder what she thought. Here's my son who's a PhD student and, and he's asking me, because he knows my English skills are superior to his, and they were. You know, to this day, I would say she got a better education than I did, going all through Notre Dame, probably when it came to grammar and things like that. That, that she knew cold and couldn't have gotten out of grade school without knowing. But you know, it wasn't that way when I went to school. It was loosier, goosier, and now forget it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> my mom would call up and she say. You know, once in a while, you, you lapse back to where you, where you think you came from 33rd in the tracks. You didn't. You came from 63rd. <laughs> you didn't come from 33rd. <laughs> you know, sometimes you talk like you're there. Yeah, I wonder, is that my kid on the air? <laughs> that's always a good thing when your mom gives you a bunch of crap. But that's what moms do. I mean, that's just, you know, it's just what they do. I mean, it's, and you know, virtually all the time, they're always right. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, they're wrong. <laughs> Just, just you don't want to hear it, but but you know what you got to you got to listen. I guess it's your mom. What else are you gonna do, right? Well, it's instructive too, Tom. Because I mean, I, I was just reading in the I think the Tribune last week or the week before how you know the Catholic schools here are being you know avalanched. With oh yeah, request to get their kids enrolled for the, the second half of the school year, taking them out of the public schools, and you know they're they're willing to pay the tuition because because at least they assume the kids will be in school. And they will be learning something. They'll, be, they'll certainly be learning more than they've been learning for the last year in the public schools. 
and I don't know if the, if the Catholic schools are in a position now to absorb huge numbers of people because they've really shrunk over the years too, as the cost yeah, goes yeah, up. Yeah. And, you know, well, in my, my, my old hood, St. Bernadette's is closed. St. Thomas More is closed. St. Thomas More used to have fifteen hundred kids. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Felicitas, my grade school closed twenty years ago. So. Well, the amount of people uh, that are, are trying to move back into the uh, in the why did I just drove, drove through there? Uh, St. John Fisher neighborhood. There's people putting du- big double, uh, whole second stories on houses trying to upgrade their housing stock because everybody loves the school and they love the fact that kids actually can walk home for lunch and all the other stuff. And, uh, you know, they, they think that that's a much healthier way of growing up, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll, a time will tell on that. So, Maddie, are you, uh, since nobody else is going to China, are you willing to, uh, Literally bend over and head over there as a uh, as a as a correspondent. Uh, I really don't have much interest in going to China in general. Well, you know they're they're bringing back the I'd anal love, swab I'd, test. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, so that this just gives me another re- excuse, I guess, uh, to not have any desire to go. Um, I'll bet it's accurate. Oh well, yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, I learned that, uh, yeah, you have to, uh, in general, um, that is the most accurate way to, to uh, do pretty much anything with the body, for whatever reason. Well, I mean, if you want to find out if there's any COVID at Notre Dame, you just you just test the untreated sewage as it leaves campus. There you go. Uh, we, we uh, of course, like you said, we're expecting, and so we had some classes last week, which... Uh, we're pretty informative for someone like me that doesn't know anything about this stuff. And, uh, yeah, the first, uh, year of, of the, a baby's life, all of, all the, all temperatures are supposed to be taken that way. Otherwise, if you call and say your baby has a fever, they will ask you, did you take it that way? And if oh, yeah. you say no, then they will, they will not accept the baby. Well, it's still the most accurate, but it's yeah. not exactly what you want to yeah. until you, until you <laughs> take it that way. And I'm like, God, are you kidding me? Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I, st- I just started reading this weekend, Tom, the new Peter Schweitzer book, you know. Red-handed about Chinese influence in this country, and that—I mean, I'd love to see China, but this makes me more and more suspicious of ever getting over there to see what's really going on, given how it's been covered over and you know, and, you know lied about in this country about what they're really all about. So this is nothing against the Chinese people, because you know I, I feel for them tremendously, but. but this, the Chinese government. I'm just through the first two chapters of this book, and I hope I can make it to the end because it's, it's pretty hair raising. John, what uh, I have some a couple of serious things. Uh, I, mean, I sent you the, the thing this weekend about. I mean, I really, you know, it, it's sort of. I, I kind of make fun of it in like every different area, but it, it's it's really not. It's kind of not a joke. It's 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 sad. I mean, I the, the Federal Reserve this morning on the way in before I go to, I go to pick Maddie up, and first thing I hear is. My Fed meetings, you know, this week, and we gotta, and for sure they're gonna talk about doing something at the at the March meeting. And I'm like, you know, give me a, give me a friggin' break. I mean, I'm looking here the, the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Uh, to and, and where we're, I'll get the right date here. Might as well do, do it right if I'm gonna do it. On Wednesday, January twelfth, uh, the the uh, balance sheet was eight trillion seven eighty eight. Okay. This is when these guys, every time you hear when these guys are cutting back, they're cutting back. Inflation's their, their biggest public enemy number one, right? John, it's, it's the biggest bunch of crap you ever come across. So here we are, uh, January 19th, 8867 So we're talking $78 billion in one week. We added a balance sheet. I mean, what, but by the time they do this in March, where's, where are we going to be? Over 10? 
when are, are they going are, are they going to just do the absolute most they this can is astounding Tom. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of adjectives for it. <laughs> and, and here and here you go to the you know, to the next the next story and the story is and uh you know and I, I you know I don't want to sound like a is was my my mother used to say once in a while sometimes you sound like a male chauvinist oinker uh you know how's that for a term from your mother <laughs> the uh which which I'm not I absolutely am not uh in in the uh so th- this lady who's what the hell's her name uh Lena Kant nominee for the commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission and she's not the head of the FTC. She's, I think it's, I think it's some, some, another lady, of course. I mean, it's, it's, and by the way, it's not like women shouldn't be in these jobs. But I think no matter if you if you just say men are going to be in these jobs, you 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 leave out half the population, meaning women, who might actually be a lot smarter than the guy you're, you're putting in there. Okay, now if you just say they have to be women, you're leaving out half the population too. So either one is wrong in my mind. The idea is the idea is to pick the right person and not care what color or gender they are. That 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 would be me. But that's again, that's I know that's almost at a point where they're going to throw us off the air. But uh, so she comes on and she uh, and she's talking about uh, this theory that the antitrust is this and that, blah blah blah. Yet uh, the actual story is Microsoft app. This is by all right. Some of the articles from I'm going to quote it. The article is for is Lauren Finer and Alex Sherman. So two people wrote it. And I actually have, uh, maybe read some of their stuff before. It's pretty good. And the key points, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Amazon all announced more acquisitions in 2021 than any other year in the past decade, according to Deal Logic, whatever they are. The torrid pace suggests companies are either trying to do deals before an antitrust crackdown or challenging regulators to win court cases to block them. FTC chief... Lena Kanzler, she's the chief, told CNBC in an exclusive interview that it takes courage to fight back against large technology companies, even if the agency might not have a slam-dunk case against them. This is the lady who got on TV, and all she did was whine about she doesn't have enough uh, budgetary budgets in there. I mean, granted, how much budget does the FTC need to fight these three companies all at the same time? It would be pretty high. That part, that part I get. But I... I uh, I don't like the idea that our government is overwhelmed by a company. Do you? No. It, it, you would think, you know, it, it, it's, you, if you want to have teeth in anything like the FTC, you've got to almost, you know, go overboard to intimidate people enough not to even get close to violating it. But, you know, any fairness in this. But they, we backed off on it in such a way that we've encouraged, you know, People to defy the system. It's a meaningless term nowadays, Tom. When you look at what's happened, not just in the last year, but really the last five or ten years, I think um, there's just, there's no teeth in any of this stuff anymore. And by the time anybody catches up with it, it will be long gone. It'll be offshore. It'll be someplace where you can't get at it, and it's too late. But um, we, we've we've encouraged this by our inability to kind of like be vigilant about it. And I don't think that's accidental. I think it's all by design. Um, and it's, it's through lobbying efforts by these very companies. It's by weak appointments, deliberately weak appointments, or you know, not making appointments or just letting positions stay open. Um, we've, we've encouraged a culture, and I think everybody in Washington seems pretty happy with it being this way. I, uh, when they did some stuff with the people on the Board of Trade when I first started the business, 
uh, when they when they cracked well cracked down, they they tried to arrest all those people on the board of trade and said how how crooked the whole thing was. Of course, the people who were doing the arresting had no idea what they were talking about. But the uh, I think I think most of the populace and and, and I, I don't really it's not like I get this myself, but the the equivalent of what they do to individuals. If you ever looked at the law and did the same thing to a company, it it would really look like. This, the stormtroopers landed at a place. I mean, our, our our people, our people, our employees, what they did to some of the people on the board of the trade back then, and I'm sure they do it now for any individual. I'm sure they do it for people now. If they think it's individuals an insider trading case, they basically showed up with, like, you know, multiple cops at somebody's home at 6 in the morning, like, dragged them out of bed, the wife's crying, the kids are wondering what the hell's going on, the dog's barking, and intimidating people much like the Nazis would do, okay, very much so. But now, if, if you were to do that to, if you were to take anywhere near that same attitude and decide, hey, these Amazon guys, these Microsoft guys, this is a this is a violation of the Sherman Act, which, by the way, is a felony, uh, and uh, I think it I think it's punishable by it's triple damages. And can you go to jail? I think you can. Yeah. I mean, okay, so if all of a sudden. There was an Amazon or Alphabet or, or Microsoft board meeting, and we showed up with, you know, fifteen. I'll say paddy wagons. That's a city, uh, or or a SWAT team, and wandered into that that boardroom, and took fifteen or twenty people out in cuffs, and and did the same thing they would do to an individual. The the, comp- the country would be horrified. Now, which way should you be horrified? Should you be horrified that you don't do it against the big people, or you do do it against the little people? Either, or both. I mean, the, the, there is a massive disconnect between how the law applies, and I'm sure that's that's why African American people feel the way they do. They feel that the law applies differently to them as it does to white people, and and, and, and whites in a you know, certain economic strata absolutely feel the same way African Americans do too. Sure, it's, look, I mean, look it's look not, Tony Podesta. Tom, I mean, yeah. what, he just you know it just came out that he he was paid a million dollars by Huawei. To lobby on their behalf in Washington, and you know, given his connections and his brother's connections, and God knows the, you know, the people he's worked with, what he could accomplish. I'd like to know exactly what he did, but you, but you can presume it must have been well worth the million dollars that Huawei paid to him to get it done. And exactly what got done, we probably will never know until it's too late. But it's that kind of thinking where if you spread enough money around. You can shut up the people who are in a position to go complain about it, or grease the wheels of the people who will benefit from it, and they are paid to look the other way. So it, it's a total circumvention, not just of the FTC, but of every kind of oversight and telecommuni- telecommunications restrictions that we have. Where if you got enough money around, you can you can get a waiver on all that stuff. Well, I mean, why? But why is this huge difference between people that are big and people that are small? I mean, we. We, the SEC has plenty of money to go after small firms and individuals. All of a sudden, they don't they don't, they don't have enough money to get some, for somebody bigger, or they don't want to lose my my attorney buddies, and I have many, and judge buddies claim that the if if the if the Fed goes after if they want to take Maddie Weber to trial, they will spend a fortune to make sure they win they win ninety five percent of their cases, Jen. Because well, it tells me that they're they're threatened by Maddie Weber. And, and and it's the same way that well, in the pandemic, lose. you saw these small businesses, you know, 
snuffed out pretty much. They're, they don't like the small businesses, Tom. They don't no. like the little traders. They don't like the, the people who are really working hard to make a buck because that's a buck somebody else thinks they're entitled to. Yeah, it's the big guys are entitled to. I mean, I mean, right now this guy from uh, from a Citadel, I mean, he's essentially running a, 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 a one-man war against Jay Pritzker. Now, I'm not a Jay Pritzker fan by any stretch. But, now, but let, let's follow this through. There used to be, you know, a, a couple thousand people on a trading floor. Some bigger, some big, some small, but all different sizes. You could enter, you could enter the business, you know, with fifty, hundred grand in your account, maybe even less when I started. Uh, you could enter the business now, basically nobody can enter the business. It's, it's four or five people in some, you know, one and two and then the, the little, the little children that essentially provide all the markets that anybody trades all day long. All right. And, you know, there might be a few more to do some stock stuff. That, I mean, I'm sure there's a few more ancillary creatures on the edges. But basically these guys provide, and they make, you know, million, two million a day type of thing instead of all these other people. So this guy, not only is he making all his money, okay, and a huge divorce that we know all about, but now all of a sudden he feels he has enough money to essentially now push the political scales. Well, you know, I don't... I may, who knows, I might even agree with him who he picks, but there's more to this than meets the eye. And it, now what's, is he gonna, is he gonna buy the Tribune now too? I mean, I mean, like Bezos bought the, I mean, where, where are we going? It, it never stops where you think it's gonna stop. Okay, we're, we're gonna make sure that John Flanagan is the only, is the only person in the Holiday Inn crowd. I don't think Holiday Inn isn't even stock anymore. We'll get rid of the other schmucks in there so he gets to make the market on his own. Now we don't want ten people in there. We want a, a specialist because a specialist will he'll, he's he's more than willing to take the member firm guys out to dinner and pay them off than than the ten guys together. It never ends, Jen. There's always something further down the line. No man can do one thing. So now this guy is going to be a political force. I mean, look, look what, what happened to Mark Cuban when he's well, when Mark Cuban he sold his company to what did he sell it to man? He was it was it Yahoo? I think he did. I think he did, yeah. He sold his company, and, and he's made some good investments since then, and all of a sudden, you got to listen to the guy talk about subjects he knows nothing about, you know? <laughs> I mean, which I happen to like Mark Cuban a lot. He was on, he was on the show once, wasn't he, maybe? John was there? I think he was. Yeah, he we did have him as a guest on the and show. And he was, he was a great guest. Ago. And he was a great guest, and by all accounts, uh, a pretty smart investor. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah Broadcast.com was an internet radio company founded as AudioNet by... Uh, Mark Cuban and a couple other guys, and uh, he, he later uh, sold it to Yahoo April first, nineteen ninety nine, for five point seven billion. And I, the only thing, I'm, and I happen, I have, like I said, I, we, I, I was, I thought I liked the guy. I mean, I loved having him back on, but is his opinion any different than a, than a well read Matty Weber's? I don't think it should count for more, or John Flanagan's, or Kevin O'Neill's. Just, I mean, I not as the guy from Citadel. Now is he is he all of a sudden? Going to be the kingmaker in this country because we gave him an industry. I mean, I don't, I don't know why we. Well, should Donald Trump have been president because he was on, he was able to be on TV and he, and he was on Your Fired or whatever the hell it was. What was the name of that show? It wasn't Your Fired, was it? The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Well, they were, they were firing everybody. Same thing. Right? <laughs> that was the slogan, anyway. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why. You know, if, if somebody like like our Lou ran for something, oh, get a load of this. Speaking of which. God. Uh, what, what are you guys doing behind my back? I'm asking all, all of you. Just asking. This sounds like something Maddie would do. I walk into uh, 
we we um, in a way, well, we we stopped at O'Neill's to see our, our our fans, right? So we walk in, it's the bar downstairs, and one of the guys he's been a trading floor, and uh, of course it's mops. You, got, you no no waitress, you got to get your you got to get your own drink. So I go up and I get some drinks for everybody. And there's a guy up there we he traded in the OEX pit. I've known him forever. He's been a member of the club. I don't I don't know if he's on the best of times these days. And he goes, just want he goes, I just want to wish you luck. And I go, luck on what? And he goes. On the election. And I go, what election are you talking about? He goes, well, I don't know, but I signed your petition. <laughs> I go, what, what petition are you talking about? The guy asks, he goes, well, you're running for something, aren't you? I go, well, I don't know. You signed it. What am I running for? <laughs> well, I didn't look. I just heard it was you and I signed it. Everybody likes you. I, I go, I go, you gotta be, I said, you gotta be kidding me. Goes, no, I'm not kidding. Tom, you don't even know. I, I, I mean, by the way, so whose idea was this, Matty? Yours? Or what am I being drafted for? I have no idea. <laughs> what if you, What would you think if somebody said that to you? I'm like, was it Dog Catcher? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Frank Capra movie. I'll meet John Doerr. <laughs> well, two of the ladies down there like work for Paws, so it might be Dog Catcher. They might want to do a. Is it elected spot ahead of ahead of Canine Control or something? <laughs> I, yeah, I signed it. <laughs> Now, what do you think he really signed? It could have been. Uh, what do you think he signed one for? It could have been Attila the Hun, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> how's that for a story, Betty? That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm still thinking. By the way, what am I running for? I can't, I can't think of anything I would run for. What, what could we win? And what am I going to bring what you guys? You do in? If you did win, well, you, you two guys would be in a kitchen cabinet. <laughs> what was the What was the president's name? That had the kitchen cabinet. Was that, it wasn't Wilson, was it? Was that Jackson? Not Jackson, no. It's, it's more recent than that. It was more recent than that. Yeah, he had the, the kitchen cabinet. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. You, one thing's for sure. Webby and his buddies, when they find out they have like five of the nicest pool tables in the world at Camp David, you guys would be wanting to come to Camp David to shoot pool. <laughs> It'll be fun. Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> did, they, did they ever sell the other place yet? Or there was a place they had before Camp David. It was gorgeous. It was for sale. And it was, it was, it was this beautiful river, and there was this bridge over the river they had, and you could fish right off the, I'm not a fisher guy, but guys who wanted to fish could fish right off the river, and the water's underneath you, and you could probably talk without being heard by anybody, and anybody know, it was, uh, Camp David was kind of a replacement for that place, but they never, they never sold it, and it was for sale, but God, it looked nice, it had like ten buildings. If you like horses, I'm not big on horses, but they... Was that the, the thing in, um... Rock Creek Park in Washington was it that close? It was. It was where Lincoln, you know, the old soldiers' home or whatever. It was. It was. I think it was about the same distance as Camp David. You know, maybe twenty, thirty miles from the White House. I forget the name. Of it. It's, what's it, the uh, the place Trump owns was supposed to be a presidential retreat, but Nixon didn't like it, right? Yeah. Was that the Heinz family or the, or the Hunts family? One of the two donated that to the government is is to be like the Southern White House. It's a big, huge old home on the thing. It was either the hunt, it was one of the ketchup guys or ladies. It was Hines. I think it might have been Hines. And they and Nixon didn't like it, so the thing just sat there. And uh, and Trump essentially bought it from the U.S. government for pennies on the buck. Is that how he got the place? Probably. Yeah, it was it was a government? It was supposed to be a government retreat, but Nixon. Well, he was a California guy. He didn't like Florida much. So did he? Did he have a? Did he have a? He didn't, he, didn't used to, he didn't used to go home to California a lot, did he? I mean, Bush where, where was it? Uh, San Clemente, where he had to hang out with B.B. Raposo and all those people? Yeah, didn't. And then Bush was, 
on a place up in Maine, right? Kennebunkport. Yeah. Truman was down in Key West, a little White House down there, which is a very cool place. I toured that years ago. Yeah, but Tr- Truman couldn't own that. He didn't have a dime, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Came out of the Washington as poor as, when, as he was when he went in, right? Yeah, I mean, he actually, he actually didn't take any money. You know, maybe the reason why presidents get uh, pensions is because Truman refused to write a book or anything when he left office. He thought it demeaned the office. When he, when he, when he, the inauguration went to Eisenhower, he and, he and his wife basically walk, walked out the back door of the White House, got in their car, drove to Missouri with the, C, the Secret Service escort. When they got there, he told them, I don't need you guys anymore, see ya. And that was the other, and then they he had no dough, but so they decided to give a uh, presidential pension just to help Truman out. And uh, Roosevelt was dead, so the other living uh, president was uh, Hoover, who of course had more money than God. But he he, had, he agreed to take the uh, the money just so he wouldn't embarrass Truman. Did that the story, Jen? Yeah. And then Truman got the. I think his was the first presidential library. Independent. But I don't think he still made money on that. I mean, oh, no, that was that, nothing like these things today, which are just still grotesque distortions of that. This actually was a library. Well, the, uh, <laughs> a theme park or whatever. Well, Dan, what, what, let's shift gears a little bit. What, what, are, you, what are you following in all the, all, the, all the threats going back and forth? What's your read on this uh, Ukraine thing? Well, I think I get the impression that you know, Biden has kind of washed his hands of Ukraine since the falling out with his son and the Burisma and Zelensky. And back at a time, you know, four or five years ago, when I think Biden, or even when Biden was vice president, when he could throw his weight around in, in Ukraine, he might have taken a very different position about this. But now he's kind of been spurned. Uh, he doesn't seem to have, nor does Hunter have much of a stake there anymore. Whatever stake they had, uh, it isn't financial. And I get the impression that he's just, you know, pretty disinterested in it. And, and, and worse, he's just, he's kind of flip about it. He's, the stuff he said at the press conference about it. I mean, they had to go into complete damage control minutes after yeah, yeah. that thing ended. Because what did our allies, what did Ukraine think? what he said it was pretty much an invitation it's like whatever they're going to do they're going to do and we fully expect them to do this like well that's that's a hell of a way to look about well, we, it they had the ukraine's a place where they had the guy who was mis- totally mr corrupt right he had the huge the massive uh palace and uh it looked like versailles for god's sake right it was, oh, no, was that um lukashenko the one in belarus or what i was belarus okay well, what is the current state of the of the ukrainian government is is it totally corrupt or are they do they get well, something you know, as like a lot of the former Soviet you know republics, I think it's it's they have an extremely uneasy you know relationship with their former mother country and their finances and their natural resources are, are you know always you know, you know susceptible to being looted or, or taken over by by their own corrupt people. Um, I think that you know. I, what I really liked was Tucker Carlson's comment that, that, you know, as disinterested as Biden seems about all this, he's a lot more interested in Ukraine's eastern border than he was in his own country's southern border, as far as, you know, what what kind of a threshold he's willing to, you know, act upon. Um, but the, I'm, I'm, I kind of have to just take my cues here from what, what Putin is going to do, if anything, and it probably won't, won't take place till after the Olympics. I think I, I don't think the 
Chinese want any of this to interfere with, you know, their PR game here. But I, I, I think that, that Biden is pretty much irrelevant in this. And the last thing I would like to see is that we start, to, you know, sending in troops. I'm putting people on the ground there. Given how the, the military is being run these days and their track record, I, I see that as just the mother of all debacles. So I hope it doesn't come to that. Well, we're, you know, you know what, I, what I really miss, and it's probably someplace, but uh, in this world we were talking about that, you know, kids learning. Uh, not to, this this is where, you know, back in the day when I, well, I always had the, uh, well, my mom always had it too, but, we always had, we were, Dr. J and I and a couple other guys lived in this big, huge house in Beverly back when we first started trading. Uh, we always had, always had U.S. News and World, and then we'd switch off from Newsweek or Times. So we always had two of the three. Th- this is the time where you really are looking for not just the, the, the daily little comment. You're looking for somebody to write the 20 page article in one of those, one of those magazines, and maybe they are. I guess they're still online someplace. Uh, where this is, how many tanks these guys got? This is how many tanks these guys got? This is how many people these guys? Because I mean, Ukraine used to contribute all kinds of divisions to the Soviet army, so it's not like there's nobody there. I don't, I don't think. I mean, at least they used to have people. And this is, this is what these guys are in terms of planes and these guys. I mean, I, I, I see none of that. I mean, it's, it's probably someplace, John. I just haven't seen it yet. But it used to be dropped off like right at your doorstep, where I'd sit there and read. Here are the maps. Here's the key installations. Here's this that. You know, here, here's a, here's a key dam, here's a key, you know, power plant. I don't, I have no idea. I mean, I'm trying to get, uh, AV to, Angelica to get somebody from, uh, maybe that knows more about this. I mean, obviously lose our, our best source. But I haven't, I have, my ability to read up on the actual nuts and bolts was not as easy as it used to be, which probably means I'm just lazy and I should go find it somewhere on the internet. Well, but. not just that time. I mean, you, we can't, as you say, we can't, we can't even get numbers on the money supply anymore. <laughs> right. So I mean, it's not like we're they're giving it. They're, you know, they're, they're anxious to give this stuff to us. But I mean, I and, and what exactly? It, you know, if everybody, if if Putin does this, I mean, Russia is not exactly flush with cash. What what is the what are the benefits? Say they say they grab the whole place. They walked in like a. Czechoslovakia when you and I were young and all of a sudden on black and white TV you see these guys basically goose stepping through the through uh, the main the main city in Czechoslovakia I remember that I'm sure you do too oh, sure. I mean, so what what does that exactly mean I mean does that mean they're going to tax everybody they're going to steal all the grain because they can't feed them I mean, they've done that before they've managed to starve out Ukrainian people I mean they've done that a couple times the Russians I mean, what do they gain is, is there going to be a constant guerrilla war against them where Every time a Russian, you know, car goes down the street, it's liable to get blown up. Or, I mean, what do they expect to gain out of it? What can everybody else do to them if we start freezing assets? If we start doing things like that, or just, or just pouring equipment in or money in, and the Ukrainians either going to say, okay, we're now run by the Russians. What's the difference? Our guys are corrupt too, or are they going to continue to run a, a guerrilla type war for the next forty years, which will cost the Russians an arm and a leg? I mean, I have I have no way to predict any of this stuff. Do you? You know, if you add to that confused mess, you know, the posturing about, you know, where NATO's frontier is going to be in all of this and what, what NATO is really all about in a, in a historical period such as what we have now. And whether we, you know, do we want NATO to be, you know, to include Ukraine or, or any number of other places where we think there's a threat by Russia? You know, we're going to actually throw down the gauntlet and, 
bring all of our allies into some kind of, uh, you know, an assault on Russia if it crosses this boundary. Who wants that? The Russians don't want that. Ukraine certainly doesn't want it. I, I would hope to think that we don't want it. But I, I think there are some crazies in the Defense Department and the Pentagon that would love it. So who knows what will well, happen. It might be, you know, I a, think the big crazy or, or Bosnia light or something. But I go, I God help us if it's, if it's, if it's that, because we, we won't be able to get anything more out of it than a greater deficit and more inflation and everything else. So. Well, we just covered, that's why, Jan, I, I, I like doing the show because no place else can we connect. It's the exact same story as the antitrust. You're gonna, you're gonna lip jag about it, but you're, but you're not gonna do anything about it. It's the same thing about inflation. We're gonna talk about it. It's the same, we're not gonna do anything about it. Same thing about prescription drugs. We're going to bring them down. We're going to bring these guys to their knees. By the way, the prices just went up yesterday. This is the exact same thing. We're threatening. We're threatening. NATO's going to do this. NATO's going to do that. In fact, they're going to do nothing. And then the Russians know it. Now, the question is, are the Russians in any kind of position? I mean, are they going to gain that much? Ukraine is way more of a breadbasket than anywhere else in Russia, right? But it actually is beneficial to them. But what does that mean? You're going to go steal everybody's grain? You're going to tax it? You're just going to be a... And, and what is what is NATO going to do? NATO is... Everybody can be in NATO except somebody who's actually threatened and then, then we don't want you anymore because we don't want to actually do what we say we're going to do? We're not going to do anything. Right. Well, we would, I would hope they wouldn't, but, I mean, this is, this is the problem of NATO, I think, that, you know, it, it becomes a, a way of, of triggering something that, you know, as we can see with other wars, it becomes unstoppable after a certain point is reached. And, you know, whatever the strategic reasons for fighting at all are, if you get dragged into something when your real interests are not being threatened, and we have no business, you know, rattling our sabers or anything around there, um, but, but we may be dragged in nonetheless because of, you know, our, our defense obligations. And it, it, it makes it extremely uncomfortable for the rest of Europe. This is a lot closer to them than it is to us. Um, I don't think that, you know, it... it it could be allowed to to grow into something as as horrible as it could in in any other time. Um, well, that's my. I don't even know. Are, are the if they decide to roll in, is it going to be Czechoslovakia or is it going to be a pitched battle? I don't I mean. Is that, I've not heard anything like that on, on TV. I mean, are the Ukrainians even going to put up a fight? No, you know they might. They might not. I think you know there's factions in Ukraine that are. That don't speak for the larger population. I think Ukraine wants its autonomy, um, and it's gotten used to the idea of, of being autonomous since the breakup of the Soviet Union. Um, I think they'd much rather have a, a healthy relationship with Russia, trade-wise and travel-wise and so on. They don't want this to, to descend into some kind of an armed conflict. It doesn't pay the Russians either. And, it, you know, this may all be much to do about nothing, well, it's got to be heavily infiltrated. Ukraine's got to be heavily infiltrated by Russia. Sure. And there's got to be people in Ukraine that have figured out they're going to do a hell of a lot better under Russian, or at least they're being promised, than on the current crook that's running them now. And that will be you know, Russia's way of selling it if it does turn into some kind of an aggrandizement and to take it over and blend the boundaries together. Um, and they're also pissed off, or they, they don't like the idea of Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia being independent. And oh, by the way, one of the things we're doing is, is pushing those three places to send arms to Ukraine 
So what does that mean? If the guy takes over Ukraine, he's going to say, you guys helped us, and we're going to go in here too? Well, Lithuania, you know, and they're in this situation now where they're in this pissing match with China, of all places. Yeah, how did they do? How did that happen? Well, you know, I, I think it's just you know, it's, they feel threatened, of course, on several fronts, and you know, they are are much closer. <laughs> I mean, Russia's right up against them, but they are 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 playing off. I think you know, a, a rivalry with China and defying China on Taiwan. China hates this, you know. But I think it's a way of, of kind of making themselves, if not immune from, you know, any kind of absorption by the Russians, at least make it look like they've got some kind of, they're awake and they know what's going on, and they want to be a player, and they're not just going to roll over for anybody. So it's, 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 a, it's a PR campaign of sorts. And I think you, Ukraine may be that too. And it's, it's testing the waters to see who, if anybody, is willing to take this to the next step. I would bet neither nobody here wants to take this to the next step uh, unless there's some kind of a you know here's what we're trying to accomplish here's what we don't want to have happen here's what we are pushing for it's it's never been that clear in any of this it's all just this lingering threat from both sides um and it's not unclear if anybody will do anything at all so um so like let's to, see it kind of stay that way like with north and south korea in a way it wouldn't be the worst thing so let's see we start out by saying uh you can't add or subtract. That's okay. You get to use a calculator. We're asking these people to fight battles <laughs> with sophisticated equipment. Though. So, so these guys jump into Ukraine. Everybody's messing around with that. China goes and grabs Taiwan. This this could turn out to be well, yeah, that's just, that's probably you know the the, the, the game plan here, um, and has been. I mean, they're looking for some kind of flashpoint where everybody's occupied elsewhere and. The, China can do. I mean, they're they're increasing their flyovers over you know, airspace around Taiwan. Uh, this is not accidental, too. They're, they're looking to see how how much of a response would the U.S. ever make it in any of these you know hotspots. So and if you flare it up in one, in one place, that just takes the heat off of someplace else. You can waltz right in. So, Matty, this this cheery Flanagan guy, he's only had the market down to forty five now. I blame I blame <laughs> there you John. Go. By the way. <laughs> Read John Stockton and uh, yeah. you know, try googling athletes collapse myocarditis, and you'll get a lot of hits. So you know none of this is is being talked about in the media as tied directly to the vaccines, but the anecdotal evidence about it is overpowering. So I think Stockton is is perhaps not completely crazy here, but you won't get the Pfizer supported news programs to utter word one about this or or try to connect any of the dots. But the, the number of athletes that are, are just dropping is, is kind of starting. How does, uh, we, we really, I mean, it, it's always been the biggest thing, even people that are, that are, are into antitrust because I think it's inefficient, for one. Um, and matter of fact, Milton Friedman felt that he always thought that if we would reach a, once at certain size and a company doubles, they actually get less efficient. Uh, so I, I come at this, I never was really one of the guys that said, just bigness by itself is is bad, and I don't, I'm not so sure I, I necessarily still still believe that that bigness is. But if I tried to talk about it last week, and actually was getting a lot of people on the are on the show with me, arguing with me about it. But I think the idea of when, when somehow or another with the tax law, if, if I don't, I really don't care, John. If, if you and I have a a really big steel company, I don't think. That makes us bad as long as 
the shareholders are somehow in charge and the money we make is is given to the the other people uh you know and and when we stay pretty much focused on our investments i don't think that size really means that we're bad people but no but I, once it extends to controlling the message or the, fl- the flow of information about your opponents or sabotaging them um through silencing them then it's a different matter then your bigness is, is just well I, mean, I was about to say when but when you're you reach the point where no, you're not going to give money to the shareholders. You just have this massive, three hundred billion, four hundred billion, trillion dollar war chest. Where I'd love to give it to them, but the tax laws say I shouldn't. And you sit around just pontificating, grabbing other people's firms and newspapers and God knows what. I think that's a real danger. I really do. I mean, you know. Anyway, we got to dash down. Talk to you later in the week. I hope you don't kill the market the next time you come on like you have this time. I'll <laughs> do my best. Let's be just down forty five. As if he was down 213, just the man to talk about this, uh, Mr. Mike Hart, will be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures now down 46. Yeah, 46. Uh, last night, um, they were up 32. So, Matty, are you, are you, uh, clucking over there? Cause you got, you've made 77 points on the spoo in, uh, eight hours? Definitely not. I think you, you have breakfast being delivered by, uh, somebody, if that was the case. Dow futures down 193. They were just down to more than 200. Individual stocks at Amgen is up 327. So that's helping the Dow a lot. Virtually every other stock in the Dow is down, uh, not huge, but just somewhat. JP Morgan down 250. 
Uh, Salesforce down 463, but that massive, uh, like I said, being sort of held up by Amgen compared to other stuff. Over in Europe, we got the DAX down now 370, 2.4%. FTSE down 112, 1.5. Back around down 178, 2.5%. Um, Asia, uh, Nikkei was, well, they've been close for a while, but they're up 66. Uh, Shanghai up one, call that flat. Hang Seng, however, was down 309. That was 1.2%. Uh, as a way of review on Friday, Dow was down 450. S&P's down 84. NASDAQ down 385. So this is a continuation of some really bad days. Uh, Bonds, 10-year, 1.71, so they're down from the 1.8. One minus 0, uh, well, down to 0.3 today, so they're back down to minus 0. 0.10 from being up last Thursday for a nanosecond. Japan, uh, positive 113. Uh, oil, uh, up down 105 now, 8409. That just happened an hour ago. They were pretty much unchanged. Rent down 86 cents, 8703. Natural gas down 4 cents, 395. Arbob down a penny, 242. We got gold. It's now up almost 8 bucks, 780 to 1839, which is a two-month high. Silver, however, the other way, down 36 cents, 2395. Uh, copper down a dime, 442. So the correlations here are kind of messed up. We get a list Bitcoin down 1800 to 33,404. It was 43,000 what last week, Matty. So I mean, this is this is down losing 25% of its uh, uh, value in what, what? How many hours? Not very many. Uh, what do you got for us, traffic weather sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, major traffic delays all throughout the area due to a snowstorm passing through this morning. That could leave us with uh, one to three inches, it would appear, in the city. It looks like we already have one or two, and it's still coming down, so we could be on the higher side of that uh, prediction. Uh, it's caused a lot of accidents and disabled vehicles throughout the area, especially last hour. Uh, we were able to get a few of those cleared up, especially on the outbound Kennedy and a couple of uh, issues on the Stevenson. Now we have a new disabled vehicle on the Tri-State. This is on the northbound side just before Franklin Avenue, and it's causing a heavy ramp to the outbound Eisenhower. Uh, as the disabled vehicle is blocking the two right lanes on the Tri-State and affecting that ramp to get onto I-290 as well. That's a very slow-moving area. Edens and Kennedy, heavy traffic volumes, but no accidents to report. Same for I-290. On the Stevenson, we've had a couple of crashes this morning. Nothing currently right now, but uh, high travel volumes and slow travel times. Uh, same for down south. Only other crash in the area right now is on I-80. The westbound side, we have the left lane blocked at US-45. Um, due to a crash that happened a little while ago. But to give yourself plenty of time if you're heading out this morning, because uh, uh, the snow is going to affect this morning commute uh, for the rest of the uh, a.m. hours here. Weather today, snow showers, like I said, probably three inches or so of accumulation, a high of 28. Right now it's snowing and 19 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 70 today. Right now it's clear and 47. In sports, uh, I saw a stat, Chief. This will be the first uh, conference championship weekend in 12 years that will not feature either Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or both, as both of them were eliminated this weekend in the divisional round. It'll be the Rams uh, hosting the 49ers in the NFC Championship game after the Rams uh, beat the Buccaneers 30-27 to yesterday. And it'll be the Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals on the AFC side. Chiefs hosting their fourth straight AFC title game in Kansas City after beating Buffalo 42-36 to in overtime on a Travis Kelsey uh, touchdown in overtime from Patrick Mahomes. NBA basketball, the Bulls lost to the Magic 114-95. The good news is they get Zach Levine and Javante Green back tonight in Oklahoma City. 
The bad news is that Alex Caruso is out six to eight weeks after fracturing his wrist from the dirty foul from Grayson Allen, and it was announced last night Grayson Allen is suspended for one game. So not quite an even trade. I think it uh, should be like 20 games. Yeah, so he gets a, 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 a one-game suspension, so he loses the money as well, which I've read is about 28000 bucks for his game check. Uh, but uh, but that's it, while Caruso is out six to eight weeks uh, with uh, wrist surgery. Lastly, college hoops, Northwestern was blown out at number four, Purdue, uh, 80 to 60. And number three, Arizona took care of Cal, 96 to 71. Chief. Uh, we have Mr. Mike Hart. We do. Hey, Chief, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. So this is what He's a Bills fan, so that was tough yesterday. Oh, God. It was a rough, I mean, it was exciting, uh, but man, you know, you, you're winning, there's 13 seconds left in the game, you think you might have won the game. <laughs> yes. That was and one. They came back and uh, tied it up and then uh, ended up winning. So, Would you, Mavens, have, uh, uh, just a question with 13 seconds, would you, Mavens, have, have forced somebody to pick the ball up on the kickoff? I would have. Take a few seconds off. Romo said that too before the kick. He said, "I don't agree with uh, the touchback here. I would try to kick it, you know, a squib kick or or try to kick it so they have to field it. At minimum, you know, it, it, they're going to take a couple seconds off, which could have helped. But I mean, he went forty-four yards on two pass plays, and it only took you know eleven or twelve seconds. I mean, I mean, good right. lord, you gotta you gotta get if you get one incompletion there, you win the game. Well, if, if you make somebody." Fielded on a ten yard line, it's got to be five seconds. Well, they can take a knee, I think. Um, at least they can in college. Uh, you can you, you can fair catch a kickoff, and I think you get it at the twenty, uh, and that wouldn't take any time off. So maybe they would have done that. I don't know. But if you, but uh, it would be so. Tough. If you fair catch it on the five, you get it on the twenty. You do in college. I don't know if you do in the pros. I think I'd the have pros to, you get it on the five. I think the pros you'd have to. I think you have to return it, or you get it where you fair catch it on a kickoff. But you can definitely fair catch it because you you can have a free kick from there if you wanted. Yeah. Uh, so I'll have to check on that. But but yeah, that would have been an option. But I, Romo said it before the kickoff. He goes, I don't. Uh, I think you squib kick it here. Some sort of weird kick that forces them to feel that just you might give up a little bit of field position but it makes a lot of sense if you yeah. can take you know three to five seconds off it, that would make a huge difference but they didn't and uh, Mahomes went 44 yards in 12 seconds and then they had a, a 48 yard field goal which uh, Butker made well we've got uh, let's see 130 billion wiped off crypto markets in 24 hours Russian market down nine percent. <laughs> Some outfit I never heard of somehow lobbed a couple of ballistic missiles over Abu Dhabi. Uh, stocks in huge sell-off as my card appears on Stocks and Jacks. That's Come right. Back. Yeah, it's um, we are. You know, I I don't think I don't know where at what point you say we're in a bear market, but we are definitely seeing. Uh, you know, we're seeing a rotation out of technology. I mean, you look at the Nasdaq. I mean, the NASDAQ is just getting absolutely killed. And a- anyone who's involved with any of the NASDAQ stocks uh, probably is feeling some of the pain, you know, uh, if you're long, um, because uh, we're just seeing, we're seeing a huge, huge sell-off in a lot of uh, the technology sector. Uh, the VIX, we're over 30. Um, you know, Chief, you and I talk about the VIX. Every time I come on, we talk about the VIX. And, you know, for... A while now, we've been just sort of hanging out around, you know, between 15 to 20, 
we get above 20 for a little bit and come back down, but now we're, you know, we're solidly over 30 uh, on the VIX, which uh, when, I, when we talk about high VIX, what we're talking about is high option prices, which effectively is relating to the amount of fear that is out on the street right now. And when you get above uh, where we have been for a while, which is above 30, we haven't been above 30 for a while, um, we are seeing a lot of fear. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty out there right now, and you look at the market action over the past, what is it? I mean, week and a half? Yeah, at least. At, at least, you know, a week and a half. I mean, we're down, uh, you know, we're down every day. We're down right now. Uh, we'll see how we open. I did a, a quick study uh, this morning. I was up early, and I was just curious. You know, it seems like we've seen a lot of intraday reversals going on this month. Meaning, you know, we've been up and then we closed down. Uh, and we've seen that a lot, uh, this, this month especially. Uh, not that it's super uncommon, but it doesn't happen all that much. It, in fact, uh, based on my, uh, my quick calculations, it, it's about 4% of the time that you actually see something like we saw on, uh, you know, even on Friday where, where we were up. Uh, pretty, we were up almost 1% and we closed down 1%. So, um, you know, these are unusual moves. Uh, we're still in the beginning of January and there's, you know, a lot of trading ahead of us. But this is the biggest sell-off we've seen since, uh, since the big sell-off in 2020 when COVID first hit. I would agree. I, uh, it can change, of course, on any day. So it's not really all that predictive, but, uh, what the market right. does in the last 10 or 15 minutes to me is always seemingly indicative of the health of the market because it gives you an idea of what uh, mutual funds are doing because mutual funds have to make their trade at the last the last tick of the day, basically. And we start pulling the rug out from under the market. I mean, I said Friday night over an adult beverage and a very minor, a very minor part reminds me of the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before the 87 crash where it just... Just everybody couldn't wait to get out the exit on the close, and uh, not to the same degree. But you know, you, well, well, I don't want to lose a thought about the VIX. Um, people have been saying for years, and you and I, you know, people listened. You and I said uh, there were people that said, "Well, if you think the market's going down, just buy VIX calls or buy the VIX because the VIX always right. goes flying up." And we even had last November. Those that listen to the show regularly know that there was a guy or a lady or a company or whoever the hell they were. Would they buy like multi thousand uh, VIX calls in November? <laughs> it was a, ma- a massive was, position. Uh, it was forty some million dollars, uh, wasn't you know, it? It was forty million bucks, right? The, it, the, yes, the, exactly. It? Huge position. And uh, so the idea that that has been the uh, you know the the tout, as they say, that if you think the market's going to crash, you buy VIX calls and it's going to run to the moon. Well, up until today, today's the first day where I think you could have hedged your downside on the market by buying VIX calls or buying the VIX. Because it's all, it's right. all more today. It's up, it's up almost four, four points today. Which is, it, but it hasn't done that. We've been down how many days are the last whatever and the VIX only went to the 22 or 23 and now all of a sudden it's 32. So now 
this is the first maybe Friday and today, Mike. It's the first time that that theory held some water, you know. But if you just would have bought, you know, if you were along all these Nasdaq stocks and just had VIX calls in the last three weeks, you're not you're not doing so hot unless you had like nine million of them. No, you're not. And, and the thing is, you know, part of it is just sort of the concept of capitulation. Uh, not that I look. Like, I, I think we're a little early right now at this point where we sit right now it's a little early to call this uh a crash it's definitely a sell-off uh and you know i i don't want to start saying there's capitulation but there is sort of that sense of okay this is more than just the normal uh some profits taken off the table in the beginning of january and then we see the rally i think everyone expected to see a little bit of a rally last week, and we saw just the opposite. I think, Chief, I can't remember what we were down, but I think we were down close to 84, 85 points uh, in the S&P 500 on uh, Friday on the close, which is right. a significant sell-off, uh, especially if you've been watching this market over the past year. You know, we, we get, we've had some big sell-offs, but they've been followed real quickly by, uh, you know, by a lot of buyers, by, you know, the bull market stepping back in. And, uh, you know, this is the first time in a little while, you know, at least a year, where we were seeing, uh, we're seeing the market just kind of, uh, melt away. And, uh, and, and we're not seeing those buyers step in quite yet. And we'll we see what happens today. And we had massive, uh, money contribution by the Fed last week, $80 billion. It didn't stem the tide at all. I mean, I, Mike, I'm right. talking to, uh, I'm not getting this too deep because by this time of the year we routinely talk to clients and do a year in review kind of thing. And, uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, these are people that I not, they're not necessarily here at, uh, at, uh, you know, fully my guys. These are at places where I, I do, I subcontract and do the protected programs. And, uh, and, sure. you know, and I've, everybody's got a little bit in there. You know, twenty twenty five percent of their portfolio, and more and more is coming in the protected stuff. But you, you can't. I mean, I've, I've been. Everybody knows I've been talking on the on the show. This 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 twenty five percent up last year. This is an outlier. It 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 might come back. I mean, don't ever take investment advice from me because I've been you know wrong. I thought this was going to happen a while ago, but there's 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 only so much. I mean, the Fed has poured money in. I mean, it's not like a broken record with this. It's pumped the market up. Right. If they even think about taking it out, there's probably going to be somewhat of a repricing and restructuring. Um, and, and it's, and it's not just a buy the dip situation. I mean, you look at, God, I must have had five guys say, what do you think about Netflix? Can we jump into Netflix? And I actually did some stuff for a couple guys because they were just, I got to do something, I got to do something. So I did like some small diagonal in the options that were, you know, if I get clobbered, I lose, you know, a thousand bucks maybe. For somebody who's got you know a million sure. dollar portfolio, but the because uh, I just I said guys it's it's down a hundred bucks it's down to thirty thirty eight thirty nine my math could be a little off times times earnings now if it goes down another hundred it'll be twenty five it's still not cheap we're we're talking about a company that's been around we're not talking about a startup Netflix I, I'm very I won't say proud of them I'm stunned by how well they've managed to roll with the industry as time has gone by for the last decade or two from, you know, basically you dropping stuff off in the mailbox. And then we, I mean, they, they've, they've rolled right. with the industry incredibly well. 
but is it worth 50 times earnings? The, the one thing they haven't done this whole way through is figure out how to make a lot of dough. Yet the price is real high. I have, I have nothing against the company at all. But should they be 50 times earnings? I don't know. I'm saying no. You know, and well, I, would, I mean, well, you, and Netflix is just one example yeah. of, you know, the uh, hundreds of, uh, you know, NASDAQ stocks out there that are just, they're priced so, there's, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things where uh, everyone sort of agrees that these are the prices and the prices have inflated a lot. And, you know, we've been talking about it. Chief, I think since you and I started talking, yep. I don't know if it's been a year and a half, two years, but I mean, we've been talking about how much, uh, you know, these prices just seem inflated. Uh, we know there's a lot of infrastructure problems with the economy. Uh, we know the monetary policy that's been in effect, uh, for a while now, uh, isn't sustainable. It, it just isn't sustainable forever. At some point, you're going to have to, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're going to have to pay for those debts at some point. Um, and, you know, if that's in the form of higher interest rates this year, which the market is, uh, beginning to price in, we're, we're pricing in those interest rate hikes. Uh, not that that happens, not just because we're pricing that in, uh, anything's subject to change with that. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I, I agree, there's a lot of room for Netflix and a lot of other, uh, NASDAQ stocks and, and S&P 500 stocks. Uh, there's a lot of room to the downside just with the inflated assets that we've seen, the inflated asset prices. And what, where does your feel you guys know an awful lot more? I just know enough about, uh, Bitcoin to be dangerous. I don't, I don't even talk to clients about it because I really don't. Because um, my opinion yeah. the whole way through has been, it's a synthetic stock. It's a made-up security. Is all it is. It's not a currency. It's not. I mean, whatever. That's that's one man's opinion. Now, what is the danger? First of all, you probably. I'm going to ask you the question: When people started borrowing, borrowing to buy Bitcoin, which they've obviously been able to do a few places that I, you know, I don't know anything about. Evidently, the guys who sponsor the umpires, uh, it's one of the places. All right, the thing is basically getting its ass kicked. Now, are they already in trouble? Where, where did this money come from? I, I don't think a bank will take Bitcoin, will they? So, I mean, if, if you, if you loan somebody margin loan on Bitcoin, where does it come from? Is, is, is the company that big? I mean, is it, I'm not going to accuse them of doing it. Is it Goldman Sachs loaning somebody money for Bitcoin? Or are they, are they loaning it out of the rest? Of, if somebody has a big enough stock portfolio, Will will a company give them a margin loan based on their other stock to buy Bitcoin? Which really, really, the, the company's not doing. You're essentially borrowing your own money, right? At that point, right? I mean, I mean it, the thing with like Bitcoin and with cryptocurrencies in general, when you look at the, uh, it, it's difficult to calculate the volatility. We we don't have, um, it, it's not it, the, the math is a little different, but we we are able to calculate the volatility. Uh, there's an active option market, so we have to kind of go over and look at the European option markets. But we are able to calculate the volatility. The volatility is just insane with these uh, cryptocurrencies. There is so much uncertainty. Uh, even now, you know, it, it's starting to feel like, okay, yeah, there is going to be 
a crypto, uh, you know, cryptocurrency is here, and it's, uh, you know, it's it, it's going to be part of the future. How, whatever form it is, uh, you know, whether Bitcoin sticks around or if you know that what we have a thousand other coins that are you know competing with Bitcoin, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a complicated market, um, but you know. Uh, how it's deriving its value with you know these price fluctuations it's really hard to say and the problem is chief i think the biggest problem is we don't have correlations to other assets it's a very uncorrelated well it's because, it's because it is so no asset we, there is no asset there what's the asset that's fair. I mean, we, we we can't say, you know, it's one thing when you look at the gold market and you can uh, you you can start using correlations. And now, gold has been dead. I mean, yep. it's up a little bit maybe, but uh, gold through all of this, you know, I would have expected gold to see uh, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit more of a spike at some point here, but it, it just hasn't moved. But, uh, you know, Gold, gold is an asset that we're able to uh, we're able to uh, you know use in our uh, correlation formulas, and we're able to uh, say you know it, gold is correlated in the market in this sense, that it's correlated to bonds in this sense, that it's correlated uh, you know it's got its place. But Bitcoin, it just doesn't have its place yet. Uh, I I don't see it more than a speculation market at this point. Well, Mike, I we only have a couple of minutes, but as you know, I, I with all the, all the, basically the crap going on in the world, with our Federal Reserve putting eighty billion dollars in the system every week, if somebody somewhere would come out and say, "Here's here's a new currency that's based on, you know, oil oil in the in a in, in even I don't care what country it is that if you have this this whatever this thing this wampum, uh, and, and one one wampum is equal to a quart of oil in some. I, I could see how that thing could become an alternative currency real fast, but at least but at least I know what I had. Or if it was based on gold or based on something that said, you know, don't worry about the Russian right. the Russian thing. Where that thing's not going to be. What are you going to do with Russian currency if, if all of a sudden you came write a check with it? You know, I mean, I mean, I, I could I could see what I would consider to be an alternative currency. I just don't see I don't see Bitcoin being that at all. I don't even know what it is. It's like, you know, what I'm saying it's not like there isn't a. I don't think that there's not a need for something other than a fiat currency, maybe just to keep them in line. But I don't see these things. These things. These things look like synthetic stocks to me. I mean, I, you know, whatever. That's a fair assumption. I mean, that, and I think you're. Uh, you know, uh, we're all we're at that point still. I don't think we're past that point, even though it's becoming mainstream. It is. Uh, it's you know three years ago crypto no one wanted to touch it banks didn't want to touch it anything but now it's 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 working its way into mainstream but they still don't know what to do with it and you know that's why we're seeing five thousand dollar swings I mean we're what I mean we were at seventy thousand sixty eight thousand yeah. now we're at thirty three thousand um, the volatility is off the chart and you know am I a buyer here no I. I have I have no way to base the value of thirty five thousand or thirty three thousand dollars of Bitcoin. I, it, it's a meaningless number to me because all I can do is say, well, I can look historically at a chart 
and uh, I'm not a chart reader, so that's not my game. Thanks, Mike. Uh, as usual, you you ground me and bring stuff in, and uh, hope you have a big week, buddy. And I pity the fool who bought those spoos up thirty two last night. Who the hell was that? <laughs> no, I mean I, I was watching it all night. God, so I slowly peel off. When yeah. did it? When did it? When did it crash? When the ballistic missiles went over Dubai or something? Maybe that's what it was. You know, I, I wasn't watching the news, but uh, you know, it, it went real quick. Uh, it, it went unchanged real, real fast. So it might have been that. Well, this is ugly. We're down sixty-one. Nasdaq futures down two fifty-five. Talk to you tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Be a rough one. Hey guys, what's up, G? Want to go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? A little early. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.